Welcome to the Simple Programmer Podcast. Making complex programming simple and fast. With everything from career advice to philosophy. John Summers will show you everything you need. It's the Simple Hey, what's up? John Sonimus here. Just want to take a moment to tell you about an awesome sponsor we have at Simple Programmer, which is Hire.com. I'm sure you know how frustrating it can be to search for a new job. Pushy recruiters trying to recruit you for jobs you have no interest in, jobs you apply for but you never hear from again, and worst of all, going through a whole interview process only to get a ridiculously lowball offer. Well, Hired.com has solved these problems. Hired flips job searching on its head. It actually puts you in control of the job search by letting you fill out one simple application and then having employers actually apply to hire you. How cool is that? You also get access to your own career coach to help you get your next job. Hired has access to over 4,000 employers with big names like Facebook. Plus, your profile is automatically hidden from current and past employers. Oh, and they pay you to get a job. Anyway, as a Simple Programmer listener, if you use the link Hired.com slash Simple Programmer, you can get double the normal $1,000 hiring bonus and get $2,000 when you find your next job on Hired. Just go to Hired.com slash Simple Programmer to get started. Welcome to the Simple Programmer Podcast, a short mix of career advice, philosophy, and soft skills from successful author and software developer, John Sonmez. Hey, what's up? John Sonmez here from simpleprogrammer.com. So I have a very, very interesting interview for you all today. This, uh, this is, I think this is going to be really interesting. I, I'm really curious. I've got a lot of questions here because I got, I got contacted by Mike Williams from World Mentoring Academy. And at first I was like, I looked at the email and I was like, oh, I don't know what, what's, what's going on here. You know, cause I, I get a lot of people that pitch me, but then I, I found something really interesting when I was looking at, at Mike's YouTube channel, because it, it, it's called the, the homeless educator. And I said, wait a minute, <laughs> is, it, or, is this guy, a, a whole, like I listened to the story and then I'll let, I'll let Mike, Mike tell it, but, uh, but yeah, but, th- but thanks for joining me, Mike. It's a pleasure. Thanks John for inviting me. Yeah. So, so tell me, are you, are you really a homeless educator? Is that, do you really, are you really homeless teaching other people uh, like programming and, and, and coding? Is that like, tell me what's, what's going on here or is that just the name of the channel? Okay. Uh, it's actually, uh, it's not, it's my street cred. Uh, about 2009, I heard this rumor that no matter how much money you make, you can't take it with you when you die. And so as an engineer, which is most of my life, I've been an engineer, what we're dedicated to do is problem solve. And so I looked at one of the biggest problems that was facing young people around the world and especially in the United States and the way it affects this problem affects uh, people in the United States is the cost of college and student debt. Right. And, you know, us being in the in the engineering field, we know something about hacking and how can we get around uh, paying $100,000 in tuition and then living expenses on top of that to get a bachelor's on the prospect of maybe getting a job that pays barely above minimum wage in most of the other fields, not counting engineering so much. And uh, so I was going through uh, uh, content management systems, and I came across the open community s- source of learning management system. And I go, hey, uh, how can I use this? And so I started, I became aware of the uh, uh, the open courseware movement from MIT that started about uh, 20 years ago. And right. I brought in all the open courseware from MIT, Stanford, UC Berkeley, Harvard, Yale, and uh, into a learning management system with lectures, textbooks, syllabus, homework, all free. And then of the 870 courses, 200 of the courses prepare students for credit by examination. APs, CLEPs, DSSTs, NYUs, and then also the professional certifications like the LPIC, the A+, the N+, the Cisco CCNA 1, 2, 3, 4, you know, all the various different types of professional certifications you can have. So we provide the free education for free. Now, this is where the catch is. I didn't want to have venture capital money. Right. Uh, and then have to provide something in four years because I wanted to do an extended beta. And I didn't want to have religious money or spend most of my time raising money and uh, being uh, anxious over money. 
So I did. I got this brilliant idea of just uh, getting a sleeping bag, a bicycle, and a backpack, and just using Starbucks as my, uh, you know, place where I do all my editing and marketing and idea stuff. And so since 2010, I started the first free university MOOC, uh, and everybody thought I was crazy. <laughs> you know, living on $250 a month, uh, which includes web hosting, by the way, about $200 a year in web hosting. And people complain about their web hosting fees. Right, exactly. <laughs> so $200 a year and web hosting fees. Yeah. Um, and then I use uh, Cloudflare in the front end to, you know, kind of be my uh, systems ops, you know, group keeping away, you know, malicious uh, hacking and stuff like that. And then also caching my images so that I could just for free, the free, free account uh, and attend to various different events. But uh, getting back to basics, uh, the, so I live $700 below the poverty line. Okay. So that's my street cred. And so I was doing that for about a couple years. Everybody thought I was crazy. You know, it's like a guy that built his house on the top of the hill and, you know, running water, you got to run down to the Creek and, you know, sleeping in the sleeping bag and really bizarre. So about two years after I started a Berkeley professor and a Stanford professor with $210 million in venture capital became my next door neighbor and they called their organization Coursera. And then a year after, so basically venture capital just validated my space. Right. Yeah. Before that, I had a difficult time getting people even visit my site because I was some kind of crackpot that was giving away free education. How can it, if it's free, how could it be any good? Right. And so with Coursera coming in, it kind of, I got over that hump and practically everybody I meet is either taking a Coursera course or NetX or Udasmi or whatever. Uh, then a year after that, Harvard and MIT started edX, and now academia has validated the space. And so, um, but unfortunately, they got to disrupt because uh, Delphine uh, gave a TED talk two years after I had already been in doing it and gave a TED talk, and now everybody's all about Coursera. But anyway, uh, so how does this benefit, you know, your viewers? Um, well, there's there's quite a few different interesting things that happen when you start to, uh, instead of, I don't like to use the word online or distance because mm -hmm. uh, learning, because when people use the word online or distance, they're thinking of in their bedroom at the library at a coffee shop. No, right. with a cell phone or a tablet, you can go down to tide pool, study marine biology, go to the art museum, study art history, art appreciation in the space. Because I, as a child, I can remember going on a field trip and I can remember everything about the field trip but I couldn't remember what happened in class the day before the day after. Sorry, Mr. Right. Green. All right. So experiential is so much better than listening to some guy talk stage on the stage. Uh, research shows that students only retain five to 10% of that experience, yeah. even if they take copious notes, you know? Well, plus you, you think about like, you know, I don't know, like the war, I read this book called uh, Moonwalking with Einstein and like the world memory champions and how they memorize this this concept of a memory fortress. And like, if you want to impress people with your memory, like I can, I can memorize a list of 20 things and recite it backwards yeah, yeah. to you in one, one time hearing it. But there's a little trick to it, which is this idea of a memory fortress, which is that you spatially in your mind walk through an area or like rooms in a house and then you associate different objects in there and our minds our memories are completely like we're biologically wired to spatially remember things and so we that's why we remember locations is the strongest memory that we have is locations and emotions and then when we attach right, those things exactly. and so what you're saying makes yeah. perfect sense i mean if you can go and study history in the history museum with your tablet you know and and seeing the actual things and walking through the space and the experience or in the art museum right, or exactly. whatever it is that that, that you're going to learn more and you're going to retain it exactly learning by doing um and experiencing uh this is 50 percent uh has a 50 percent learning retention right um the the actually the absolute absolutely best is if you're learning something and you turn around and teach somebody what you're learning as you're learning it. Exactly. That's called that's called learning by teaching. Yep. Or the Socratic method. And in education today, at least in my experience in the United States, the only time we use the Socratic method, which is the most enriching, is in kindergarten and law school. Hmm. So there's you can see that in the general uh, educational system, K through 12, and bachelor's and master's and everything. 
those particular fields, we're using a five and ten percent learning modality when we can do using fifty and sixty percent. Right. Uh, technology is allowing us to do some uh, very interesting things. Uh, you know, and of course that's in in our wheelhouse. And it's what what do we do and what do we offer? Now, uh, a very great professor uh, who wrote the Innovators Dilemma. Have you read his book? Uh, uh, professor. Yeah. Professor Clayton Christensen of Harvard Business School did a great deal of research on innovative disruption. It's where the word disrupt comes from. Uh, you hear the disrupt conferences up in San Francisco and things of that nature. It comes from Professor Clayton Christensen's work. He says in the next 15 years, 50% of all universities will be gone. Oh, wow. Yeah. 50%. 50%. I mean, just let that sink in a bit. So here's the thing is, as you see the universities, what are they doing right now? Building more and more buildings, right? Right. It's kind of like they're, they're, the, they're this in this expansion program. The professor Clayton Christensen says you're going the wrong direction. You need to go away from the buildings and more and go more into the community to do your learning. Right. right? Exactly. So yeah. p- picture this. Okay. I'll give an example of what I see in the future. If, and I, I think it's going to probably bear out. Picture this, you take the, your physics professor at the university, and instead of have lecturing in the uh, hall, you put him into a creative space with a data feed from the Hadron Collider. And all the students are working on research, freshman, sophomore, junior, are working in research with the professor, and he's mentoring and guiding and overseeing and just being that wise sage that he is. And in the student's hip pocket are their textbooks and their lectures. Right. But their main course is learning by doing. So you take the artist out of the art, you know, out of the lecture hall and you put them in the artist residency and you have uh, TV and uh, communication people learning in public access stations and, uh, you know, uh, biology or learning in uh, wet labs and hydroponics and aquaponics uh, and uh, estuaries and tide pools and things of that nature. And so now you take them out of the classroom and that, those lecture halls are no longer a part of the tuition. They become part of the community. The eating facilities, the climbing walls, the lazy rivers, uh, the bowling alleys become community entertainment centers. They're no longer part of your tuition. The administrators that don't teach go work for the government because they don't apparently care about efficiencies. Um, the uh, dormitories uh, become bed and breakfasts, youth hostels, and, and other types of facilities. The $15 million and $10 million football and basketball coaches go work in the farm leagues or development leagues. Now tuition drastically drops to 30%. And now 90% of the money goes to the space and the teacher professor. Right. Now, right now, there's been a, a break a breakdown for professors over the past 20 years. And when I was in college in 1980, I graduated from Long Beach State. At the time, 10% of all professors were adjuncts, which was temporary. Right. right? Now, today in the United States, uh, 76% of professors are adjuncts. Now, adjuncts typically across the United States get paid $27,000 course for a semester or a quarter. The average, uh, um, let's say, for instance, use a Cal State system like Cal State San Diego or Cal State Long Beach or Fullerton. The state of California pays, for all the other viewers and all the other states and all the other nationalities, there's a lot of variance. But... In this California system, the state of California, the federal government, pay 52% of the tuition. The students come up with 48%. So during a calendar year, $20,000 per student gets set aside for uh, a student's calendar year for tuition. The average student takes 15 units a semester, which is five courses. Mm-hmm. During a calendar year, they take 10 courses. So you divide 10 into 20,000, you get $2,000 per course. The average course has 50 students, sometimes 150, 200, sometimes 30. Average 50. 50 times 2,000 is $100,000. Right. The university gets paid for a course. They then turn around and pay $2,700 to the professor. <laughs> what happened to $97,000? Now, just to show you how bad it is, uh, in California, uh, there's a state or federal law that says that you know, if you have three classes – or whatever, you have to get health insurance and pension. Uh, but in the state of California, as long as that student, uh, so the universities uh, and colleges limit you at two and three lectures. 
So you, they're just under the, the cutoff. Oh, I see. Yep. Yep. So then the university professors then get on the freeways and they go back and forth between community college, private schools, any place that they can find a job to fill out their 10 courses a semester with $2,700 per course. That's $27,000 a year. All right. So you can see there's a great deal of uh, injustice to, to 76% of the professors out there. And I think that it, they're ready to, you know, they potentially are ready for uh, jumping off into these creative spaces like maker spaces and hydroponics and things of that nature, as long as the students can get credit for college that they then right. can use for a degree. So there's over 200 courses presently in biology, physics, chemistry, calculus, uh, that you can already get uh, uh, upper level and lower level. Uh, right. There's uh, the CLEPS of the APs, Advanced Placements, from the College Board. And then their brothers from the College Boards, the CLEPS. There's 33 of them. Right. Now, the CLEPS have no age requirement and no maximum amount of uh, tests you can take. So you can literally be in third grade and earn college credit through the CLEP program. Now, the best way to know if a student's ready for a CLEP program, if he's getting bored in class, because the teacher's teaching the kids that aren't getting it, right? So what you do is you supersize the class with, say, a CLEP class, uh, say, in U.S. history from either World Mentor Academy or edX, Harvard and MIT's program, uh, through their tablet. And so they're studying from, say, Yale or MIT, uh, U.S. history. At the end of the semester, they take a 70-minute test for 80 bucks. They get college cut. Right. So one girl earned 89 units in a month. That's three years worth of college. Now, wow, that's where do you use these units? Now, uh, the problem is, is a lot of gatekeepers at various different universities are very stingy with giving you uh, credit for your APs and your right. CLEPs. So you might have 15 courses and APs, and they only allow two or three. I, I'm under the I'm under the assumption that they would make uh, like a Cal State University would make Einstein take over relativity so that they could get a couple more shillings for, for his uh, work, exactly. which is a little, rather bizarre. So uh, I see that the shakeup with Professor Clayton Christensen, what he says, and I believe that a lot of the uh, Silicon Valley and you know people in the know in, in technology see, the, see it on the horizon, and not just the distant horizon, but in the near future. So that's my first project. I'm actually working on five projects. Okay, yeah, so, and that's that sounds. I mean, that I, I that that makes a lot of sense, and I agree with you with that. I, I in fact, I think that we'll see traditional education fall apart faster than than even that. It just doesn't make sense anymore today. Like, it just what what are you? Pay, I have to question what are you paying for? In in back in the day when universities made sense was when those were the storehouses of information when you didn't have this this all all of this content available and for free and not and even even not for free i mean online courses that are, are very cheap but yeah. it made sense and also that was a, a period of time where where being a journalist was definitely more important and specialization was not as as critical but now today when i look at when i advise young people i'm like well really like i don't know do you really need to go to college like what why you're learning something in order to do something, right? Like, are you just learning something just to, just to learn it, right? Just so you can have some trivia. Like, it's it's to have some kind of application to do something. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. well, let's let's not ask the question. Should you go to college? Just ask the question of, what are you trying to do? And then right. let's right. see how can you learn how to do that. And maybe going to college is the best way. But like, maybe if you're right. going to be a doctor or a surgeon, then yeah, then it's like, okay, well, I think that probably would make sense. But for a lot of a lot of potential students really hey if they say i want to be a software developer i don't know does it make sense like you know do you have the well, motivation the, 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 and the dedication to learn a different that's, way I, that's why you know that's why i think you're talking past a lot of the uh, uh the influencers out there is you know i i can understand oh you know blah 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 but try to get that you know try to get a, a parent or an hr uh person you know into that idea that uh, a degree isn't something to be considered as a path. Um, what I'm suggesting that there's three state universities that will take all 120 units credit by examinations mm -hmm. uh, uh, and get your bachelor's in about 60 different fields, uh, inclu including computer science. So you get a bachelor's in computer science, 
using your Cisco CCNA 1, 2, 3, 4, A plus, N plus, ELPIC 1, 2, and 3 as your core, and then all your other credit by examination for your general ed and other science and biology and all those things. So you just satisfy their curriculum. So you can get oh, a bachelor. So you can get a bachelor's from Thomas Edison State University at New Jersey. And one guy got his bachelor's in business per se in six months from beginning to end for under five thousand dollars textbooks and testing fees. You can't even rent textbooks today and for five thousand dollars. Right. Oh, I see. So you're saying hack. So when you say hack education, what you're saying is basically like, yes, learn it on your own. You've got all these resources, but then let's right. get you the degree is as easy and painless exactly. as possible. We'll use CLEP tests. We'll use credit, you know, by examination. We'll use all these things yes, in order exactly. to figure out how and you don't have to go into certifications. Yeah, exactly. That professional sense. certification. So here's like the thing. That. Well, there's four ways of getting a, it's unfortunately most high school counselors and most uh, parents aren't aware of this, but there's four ways of getting uh, four paths to a degree. The first way is brick and mortar and online, like Phoenix Online, Arizona U Online, and they're time consuming and expensive. The second way is what I just talked about credit by examination. And there's literally three or four hundred, three hundred, four, three out of four hundred different subjects you can take a, a 60 minute exam. The, the next way is called challenging, of course. Say, uh, yeah. I'll give you an example UCLA. Um, they're challenged. All the UC schools are probably very similar. Uh, you know, you look up, the, uh, you know, you look at the book and decide which courses you're going to take the next semester. And you go prerequisite to this class is macroeconomics or permission of instructor. You tell the professor, I already know macroeconomics. He gives you the final. If you pass the final, you get the units in, and at UCLA and UC system, you pay a third. So you save $2,000 plus a whole semester of sitting through a subject you already know. So uh, th that's the third way. And the fourth way is by life and work experience. Now, what does that mean? Um, well, it could be professional certifications like these, the Cisco's and the, there's literally lots of different professional certifications. What's cool about that is you kill two birds with one stone. You get your professional certification, which your employer will most likely pay for. And you, in addition, get to uh, satisfy your degree path at the same time as a bonus. Right. So and and then, the as I said, the working life experience. So they have what they call um, um, for uh, experiential ed. I, I'm trying to think what the word is called. Um, I was just watching it a, a couple of days ago. But they basically make a portfolio for the things that you do at your work. All right. You can yeah. then apply uh, like a portfolio kind of a thing. And, and uh, as it gets more and more part of our society, then it'll be a little bit more streamlined so it won't be so rigorous or difficult to get uh, those credits. That so. makes sense. I mean, I, I still question the authority of the system. Like, who's to say that you now, I, it, I, I think the whole, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I agree with what you're, like right now we have that system and it makes sense to hack that system as much as possible. I mean, the, the ultimate thing we're trying to do is gain the, the education Right. But I seriously question, like, it, it's going to be really hard for them to hold the people behind the fence and say, no, 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 we're going to decide whether or not you have a degree or credit or accreditation. Right. Right. That How long can we, like, keep that fence shut with people pushing at it saying, well, I don't know, who makes you the authority to say whether someone has a college credit or a degree or is qualified anymore because that's it, it's becoming less and less that yeah. like it's now it's like well show me what you can do <laughs> that, that's your credibility exactly. at, at this point but exactly. but exactly. Yeah. but here's the thing you can uh because uh, it's regionally accredited you can then build uh you know say get your master's at stanford hmm. right and save the money you saved at your undergraduate uh to basically take your master's and if you work for a company that they may even compensate you for that sure so yeah. The thing is this, um, when Coursera started doing certificates, the problem with that is it could undermine uh, the validity of uh, actual uh, college credit. Employers, right. HR departments consider a certificate equal to a degree, then you completely devaluated the whole educational university. I didn't want to do that. That's why I never offered free certificates. Oh, I see. 
or even paid for certificates. So you can get a certificate through Coursera for a variety of prices. In fact, actually, if you looked at some of the reviews from the site over the last year, they're getting a lot of negative criticism. Uh, their customer service wants people to pay for their certificates of, uh, you know, if they opt out or whatever, right? They've got to take a serious look at their website about customer service in that area to stop bleeding all that, you know, those thumbs downs. But anyway, that's another subject. Um, and you can edit this out issue if you like to. But anyway, uh, the the problem is they originally started with that model of free, uh, you know, study, uh, study and get your certificates for free. And then they stopped that. They right. started because they needed an income stream. And so then that, they, get, they got a little bit of backlash for that because they started and then they stopped it. And then they started the, the, the uh, start and end date. And I started self-study. I've always been self-study until right. recently about June. I do self-study and then I also do um, courses. So if you look on the front page, World Mention Academy, the first Google slide will be on the up and coming courses for June, July, August, September, October, November. Oh, I see. Uh, okay. Yeah, so I'm doing that now only because uh, having self-study courses that are always updated, uh, a new lecture coming out is new news, even though it's, of course, it's been in your uh, catalog for, you know, six, seven years. Right, yeah. So, so uh, by doing the 12-week uh, and the self-study, then I become relevant, you know, in the daily Twitter and posting and things of that nature but i think that uh in the near future we're going to see this move like you said quickly but i don't think we're going to need to destroy the degree program itself we're going to need to destroy the learning environment uh, the administration and all these uh empire building right uh, uh, we need to do that uh, another problem that i'm working on and this could be another subject we can edit it is uh, people get into their 20s and 30s and they don't know what the hell they want to do. In fact, right. they're in college many times, undeclared. And right. just, the meter's ticking and they're, you know, they're in a taxi or Uber and they don't know where the hell they want to go, but the meter keeps ticking, right? Uh, uh, I learned something that uh, I want to be a starts in elementary school. I want to be a doctor. I want to be an astronaut. It abruptly ends in middle school when your friends say, so what do you want to be? I want to be an astronaut. Oh, but you're not smart enough to be an astronaut. Besides that, you're a girl. Astronauts uh, at Caltech uh, with my camera. And I said, what could elementary school kids get involved in for future space and technology? They said hydroponics and robotics. So I went out to an aquaponics farm and filmed all the fun stuff you can do and use that for B-roll with the narrative. Had a base of all the community gardens, hydroponics, aquaponics, permacultures in the world. Everything about it, kid-friendly, hours of operation, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. Lay that on a layer in Google Maps. So as you watch a YouTube video, I want to be an astronaut. They say, hey, find a garden next to you. They click on a button, the map opens up local in Toledo, Ohio. Four blocks away on Wednesday is family day, bring comfortable footwear. So they show up with the space. With their, they meet their mentor. It's right. the middle school, and their friends say, so what do you want to be? Well, I want to be an astronaut. Oh, but you're not smart enough to be an astronaut. The young person could say, well, for the past two years, I'm working on a variety of tomatoes. I don't think you know what you're talking about. Yeah, and don't call me a girl either. Right, exactly, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so uh, I was with the girl in there because, you know, anything that has girl behind it, like, you know, uh, give water to, to women, uh, you know, might uh, give loans to women. That's a very popular thing. I don't really discriminate against gender. I usually just say right. to all people. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't even have to be an American. It can be anybody in the world, you know, um, and it doesn't have to be at any particular age. So I don't do gender. I don't do age bashing, religion bashing, or any of that stuff. It's, I look at ourselves as earthling and humanity. I don't look at ourselves as them and us. I agree. I, I try not to be. So uh, in World Mentoring Academy, getting back to that, uh, I want to be the first educational system graduate level that's multilingual. Meaning uh, you don't have to speak English in order to use the platform. In fact, I was right. able to help a couple of NGOs in Angola and Congo uh, with my dad of uh, Portuguese for Angola and French for uh, Congo. And I gave them that information a couple of years ago. But in the future, um, through coding and various different uh, uh, techniques with, uh, for instance, uh, 
one of the big problems I had with Berkeley, which you probably heard the fallout, uh, at Berkeley discontinued their 20,000 lectures on oh, their right, yeah. channel, right? Because uh, a couple of professors, one professor in the student sued the federal government and our Berkeley through the federal courts and then uh, to have them all closed captions. Well, ironically, they also did that with MIT as well. Ironically, about two years ago, I I con tried to contact Berkeley and MIT and say, hey, I'll help you guys uh, with the captions. Right. And crickets. And uh, so I just, oh, well. And then it, about. It's just funny, too, because you know how cheap it is to, to close caption all those courses? It's, right. I mean, and see, if you use it. Not much. If I, yeah. You see, what I wanted to do is I want to basically develop an uh, interface uh -huh. that students that are learning, say, French would actually take the English and do, well, have Google do the, well, the first step would be have Google do the English and then have students that are learning English uh, correct them. And yeah. then native speakers will correct them. So then now the native, the ESL students are getting their, uh, their captions graded. So they're actually getting the student teacher arrangement. I like and then, it. of course, the English students are learning another language, let's say, uh, say Vietnamese, and then a Vietnamese person is going to correct them. Right. And so now you, so basically you do all the English captions first so that they're professionally done for homework. Right. Right. Uh, like you do the captions, right? And then once they're corrected, then you can then go into, you got a nice clean platform. Now you can then go into the other languages, like 85 different languages. Through the Google, uh, the closed caption setting on your YouTube videos. Then you can have them then sent out for Vietnamese, uh, you know, Cameroon, uh, Swahili, and all the various different languages. And now the captions are completely translated in the perfect tongue. Then you go from captions to audio, overdub the video, and now you have uh, a French female C voice, whatever of an MIT lecture or Chinese uh, university in French or Chinese. If your professor is boring you, and he's got good content, you could send his voice through a filter. He sounds like Christopher Walken or Donald Duck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you add entertainment value yeah. uh, to the lectures. So the, the content is good. So uh, just on the, the lectures themselves, they could all be done so that it will almost be seamlessly where their browser uh, let's World Mentoring Academy knows it once in Swahili or uh, Belarusian or Russian or you know French Italian whatever, and so the same thing happens in the HTML code in my language courses. For instance, uh, my French course, FS. Well, I have 54 languages you can learn by the way, right? From the FSI, which is the Foreign Service Institute. They're the ones okay. that teach reading, writing, and speaking to the ambassadors, diplomats, and embassy people. Oh, wow. It's kind of an important job. Right, the yeah. Rosetta, the Rosetta Stone and Pits are based on this material. Interesting. Okay. I'm using, yeah, I'm using PIMS to learn, to learn Italian right now. I'm on, like, level right. five. Use World Metro Academy's Italian course. And huh. we also have links to take you to the radio pro programming and magazines in Italian and we have a player and a recorder so you push both buttons without the mic connected on your uh -huh. laptop or your and it, the audio will say uh, la classe commence and then there's a pause I'm just using French because I don't know Italian really well um, and then there'll be a pause and you say la classe commence and then you go through the course and you pause both and then you hit right. the recorder and playback and you'll hear your teacher's voice in Italian, and then you're, you're Italian, and you can correct your pronunciation. Uh, oh, wow. That's cool. So these are, okay, so we're getting back to the languages. So uh, it's audio, mostly, and two uh, languages, and uh, there's a pause. Now, it's written in French and one on the right side, or on right. the left side. And on the left side is English. So the class commands or the, the class begins. In the HTML code, I just said, hey, let the English float and freeze the French or whatever language you're learning. Oh, I the see. The audio yeah. is 98% French, very little English. Okay. So when a Russian comes to it and he says, change everything to Russian, the English changes to Russian, the French is frozen. Now you have the Russian equivalents of the class begins.
class commands and then the audio is in French. And so right. now you have the bridge. So English in order to learn French, Arabic, and other languages. And so what I'm hoping to be is have a university, K through 12, K through 12, and university completely language agnostic, completely free. And where there's not a, a cheap internet, then you can actually use terabyte drives and Raspberry Pis and make hotspots this is yeah so that's amazing i like what you did with the language yeah. that's crazy that's really good so i got a question about that then um yeah i'm trying to think how, how it's gonna how it's gonna phrase it so so how does someone um how did you do how did you do all this and i mean you must be pretty damn productive right i mean it's only yeah. you creating like what you're describing here i mean You've got a pretty large, I, I was looking through your course catalog. You've got a large course catalog. So you've curated yeah. all this stuff. You've built the web page. Right. Well, I didn't build, I didn't, here's the thing. I used existing code. So I don't have to maintain the code. It's like I didn't write Drupal and, you know, I let Drupal community do it. So oh, this see. is not, right. This is yeah. a Drupal so site. So I didn't do the code. It's, not, it's a Joomla site originally. But yeah, but you, you did the language things for the pausing yeah, with exactly. the, I mean, yeah, that's, that's custom. HTML code. Yeah, it takes a little bit of time because they originally came in PDFs, and so I had to uh, put them into text, and then I had to put them into columns, and then I had to, you know, reformat it. So it takes a little bit of time to do, you know, six years of French, you know. Yeah, uh, but you have more than six years of French. I mean, how many languages do you have on there? Uh, 50, 52 languages. So I just that's did. a lot. <laughs> so I did, I did French. Uh-huh. Arabic MSI, which is uh, Modern Standard Arabic. Mm -hmm. I have three different Arabic, uh, four different Arabic courses. I have Modern Standard Arabic. I have a Syrian type of Arabic, then the Saudi Arabian type of Peninsula Arabic, and then the Egyptian type Arabic. There, there are just subtleties between the, the those three areas. But the Modern Standard is basically the one that, you know, the proper way of speaking Arabic, just like we have, you know, proper way of saying English. Um, but Arabic, and then I have uh, Russian. Now, younger people before writing right. becomes like third and fourth grade. Before that, all students learn their language with pictures. Right, yep. Right? Or somebody points to a ball if it's your parent teaching you what the ball, say ball or bike. So what I want to do is uh, I would like to be the not the primary, the second, secondary the secondary uh, uh, um, uh, way people learn language. So let's say, for instance, you were, say, three years old and you're learning languages. You come to World Mentoring Academy and learn English right from there. Okay, right. Then, then writing, and then from writing, of course, literature and more, you know, so in Arabic language. So somebody from Kenya was learning Swahili, would learn it in the home first, and then they would uh, go to, uh, to World Mentoring Academy, if not World Mentoring Academy, and learn Swahili all the way up through literature, um, in Mandarin, for instance, or any language at all. You're learning in the home, and then from the home uh, to mobile education, and then like you then have the mentors, teachers, and professors, uh, you know, in creative space. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Actually, my big project is I want to I want to disrupt fear and greed. That's my big project. Dis disrupt what? What did you say? Okay. Fear and greed. Education is one. Fear and greed. Nice. Yes. Yeah, okay. I want to disrupt fear. Why we? That's why we have Trump and Hillary. All right. Mm -hmm. Is we're working. Uh, society is working through the, getting motivated out of fear. Uh, you know, work lose your job, or greed. Right. Right. That's why we need standing armies, body cameras, and other stuff like that. Is you keep people in fear, then you can steal their data. You know that's why Big Brother needs your information is to protect you, which is just basically a they want it. They want it for other reasons, right? right. So they want your big data. They want they want the standing armies. They want all of this other stuff so that they can basically uh, extract money from the fearful. Right. Uh, so I've, I've decided, I asked adults when they had the most fun in their lives, and the majority of people say when they were children, what are children doing? Playing. Right. So what we 
I've never met a millionaire that works as hard as a teenager playing World of Warcraft. They won't eat, they won't shower, they won't sleep. <laughs> from South Korea. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right? it's very true. Yeah. <laughs> Don't work as hard as a, is, you know, a, a gamified individual. So if we could take that into a productive way and uh, incentivize certain behaviors, both, um, then we could probably get away with uh, reading and uh, working on bigger projects like colonizing the solar system. Right. Instead of war, because it's really unproductive. We could use our resources for uh, engineering, science, technology, food, supporting colonization, uh, sustainable development in the oceans. I think we'd get a lot further along and, and go and be Star Trek old school, not, not, not Star Wars. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of interesting. Like, I mean, I hate to delve into politics, but I'm, yeah. I'm not a socialist by any means. I'm a capitalist. Right. But... I will say that I I'm I'm weird. A lot of people get upset because I am for basic income, right? Uh, and the reason why I'm for it is exactly what you just described is because it eliminates the fear and greed. Like you, yeah. like capitalism is still necessary in order to, in order for us to be able to better ourselves. I believe to have motivation, but at least right. if we eliminate the fear, like if I knew, I mean, you know, if if everyone knew that they were going to have a, a place to live and food to eat. Right. Let's say, right. say in the United States, then they could devote their. They don't have to worry as much. Yeah, maybe they want to get ahead. Maybe they want to make more money and do more things. That's fine. But right. they could take more risks. They could they could right. be an artist. They could be like they could do more of the play. And, and it's there's not so much on the line. Whereas, you know, I think it's, it's sometimes I have a hard time getting through to people mindset wise because they're like well i work at 7-eleven now like i know what you're saying sounds great and i'd love to be a computer de or software developer but you know i i can't i got too much uh, i've got to pay for my rent and all this stuff and so i can't spend all this time right. learning and I, I i can't do this unless i'm sure i'm going to be able to make it and so mm -hmm. i think that that's to me that makes again i'm not a socialist by any means but right. i think like if we can raise the 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 level so that it eliminates the fear like you said and get to that point where people can play right. then I, I think we'll be much more productive as right. a society here's, here's the thing uh, the play happened in kindergarten mm -hmm. elementary school you know kindergarten through sixth grade it immediately ends in middle school right observation so you know if 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 you get your flame blown out of what you wanted to do when you were a kid whatever it is right by your peers right then that little flame that was inside of your soul gets blown out. You have no visions or visions from that point on. Now, how many football players, baseball players, or any sports or even like weight training like you, if you don't have a goal, you have nothing to shoot for. Right. And so these kids, the only reason they do well in school is through the encouragement of a good teacher or family. Right. Uh, it's not coming from inside. So if, if there's a way of cultivating that little, that little ember, that little spark of, of curiosity. Right. And I don't think you'll watch a couple of your videos, John, uh, recent ones. And uh, there was a pretty common topic that seems to be a part of the, uh, what's it, your, the beginning of your consciousness. And that's the word, the four letter word, lazy. Right, exactly. Or uninspired. I've seen that. Yeah. And it's yep. actually got, it's got some traction. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily ladies. I think they're just uh, unmotivated or uninspired. Right. And I, I believe that if we can um, create these little creative spaces where people can go and tinker and, and wonder and satisfy curiosity, it's a possibility. You know, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you, I'm going to uh, say one thing. Uh, hopefully it makes sense to you, resonates with you. Um, uh, so Kenneth, Ken Robinson, or Ken Robinson's give a TED Talk about uh, divergent thinking, like MacGyver or Einstein. Right. And that's what I am. I'm a divergent thinker. And I'll, I'll give you a little background first. But they gave a test to 1,500 people and say, they gave a paperclip to them and said, how many can you come up for a paperclip? Like fish hook, and, right? Right. They gave it to 1,500 kindergartners. 98% of kindergartners tested at genius level for divergent thinking. This is like MacGyver or Einstein. This is the type of shit that could save the world. Okay. Right. Yeah. Ask the same question five years later, the same kids. They asked in 10th grade. 
20%. Same question, same kids as adults, 2%. Wow. My takeaway from it, John, is sometime in your life, you were a genius. Now, what happened? Now, at first I wanted to blame parents and teachers, but as I started to pay attention, I noticed something about young children. They do one activity a lot other than playing. It really sometimes annoys us. They ask so many questions. Oh my God. They ask yeah. so many questions. It's like, oh my God. That, and some of the questions are rather profound. You go, oh, yeah. wow, let me think about that a bit, right? And, and curiosity is driving the questions. They get right. to middle school. They get to middle school. If you sit in the front row or ask questions, your peers make fun of you, right? right. But by the time you get to high school, you, you know, it finishes the process off. By the time you get to college, you're deaf, dumb, and mute. Right. Especially the larger the, the larger the hall is, the less likely you're going to ask the questions for embarrassment of 149 strangers, right? Now, with me, on the other hand, I was in 26 schools growing up. He's the new kid. And I know what you're thinking. Well, he's lucky he gets chocolate and flowers. And I go, uh, no, I always got picked upon. Right. Because even the runt in the class had at least one friend that could gang up against to me and pick on me. So I learned in first and second grade, it's not a good idea to base your self-esteem upon what people said about you. Right. So when I got into middle school and somebody said, don't sit in the front or ask questions, do you think I listened to them? No, no, no sir. Never. So I kept, I kept that uh, curiosity going. Yeah. And the problem is, is that we weigh our genius to be accepted by the board. Exactly. And I'm, be and I'm being kind because <laughs> Because those middle schoolers are really, they, they're bullying, suicide, all this terrible stuff's happened in middle school. Oh, yeah. Uh, I didn't face it so much. I, I try to empathize with people trying to fit in. Um, and that's why I can do stupid things like sleep behind a eucalyptus tree and uh, say things like, and people ask me, what do I do? I say, well, I want to save the world by lunchtime to be a bigger task than I anticipated. You, know, yeah. you have to have that kindergartner possibility thinking. Exactly. And, so, yeah. and that's the thing is, is that we need to get back to our, our roots of genius, right? And right. just satisfy the curiosity we have. Um, and I think that what that, that 7-Eleven person you were talking about is curious anymore. And you've got to rekindle that, that, that flame that got blown out. And doesn't care about the person enough. You begin to see some things. Well, when I was in kindergarten, I was a really great artist. When I got to middle school, I could do nothing right. And so you got to go back to that space where they felt uh, some creativity and be able to uh, to allow them to rekindle that. Exactly. You know what I mean? And, and, and you, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. go ahead, John. I was going to say, you know, and I think also, like, I agree with what you're saying. I think also, though, it means that it's not necessarily like there's no reason why, you know, for, for those listening now that you can't do that now with your current, like, it doesn't mean that you have to go back and say, Oh, well, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut. So I guess I, I hate my current job and, and I want to go be an astronaut. You, right, you can right, take right. that same curiosity and apply it to wherever you're at, happen to be in life now. I mean, obviously exactly. if you're, exactly. if you're, if you're and young, it could be a hobby too. Yeah. And it, yeah, it could be yeah. a hobby. But if you just approach brothers life a bike, that, the right, right brothers had a bike shop. The Wright brothers had a bike shop, and then they also their hobby was making gliders and shit like right. that, right? So yeah, back so at you, you know the Ruberg, whatever that one where you kick the ball, the ball rolls, and yeah, this the, the Ruberg thing. Yeah. That was that was all uh, a result of the 1950s. Everybody was in their garages trying to make the big million dollar idea, and right. they come up with these these patents, these crazy ideas, and this cartoonist thought he'd make fun of it, right? And it's just like the gold rush mentality. Everyone wants to rush out the next app, which is a copy of somebody else's app, right? right They're still exactly. thinking like the group. And, and the gold fields are all mined out. You have to get outside the gold fields and the quick get rich quick schemes right. uh, of technology because all of them are similar. So I don't want to make a, by the way, uh, one of the steps I wanted to make a global village, not a social network, which operates completely different. Like a, like all the copies of like Facebook, uh, Minds, which is a new one coming out, uh, Facebook and all that. I'm, I'm going to change the paradigm so that in Facebook, if a girl changes her outfit from one outfit to another, she gets 98 likes. John, if you win the Nobel Peace Prize, you're lucky to get five likes. So a girl, <laughs> yeah. a girl that I mean, learned to change, if I change my outfit, if I, if I, right. if I show my outfit, right. I get some likes. Right. 
<laughs> right, right. But if you say something very clever and, and revolutionary, you get no, no, like you get you get crickets. So yeah. if if a girl that learned to change her clothing in kindergarten is getting credit as an adult, something's wrong. That's it's right. Middle school it's popularity. Right. It it's not uh, moving forward. It's moving, you know, popularity, and that's not a you know that's why we got a popular, semi popular president, right? Uh, and you know, he's, as I said now. Please, uh, if you you can cut this out of your uh, thing, but I, I I believe that we had a choice between Satan and Lucifer this last election, and I think we would have been better served by basically having nobody in the office, and just let the Senate and Congress and the judicial system manage our country for four years until we can come up with better candidates. That's my <laughs> my think on it. But you can cut that out too if it doesn't you know. But anyway, no, it's fine. Well, I, I I like to. Oh, oh we're trouble then. Let me listen to this small conversation. You're gonna cut and dice this thing, so um, I'm not. I don't. I take it like this. I no, no, you better not. You, you cut the shit up and because it's too long. No, uh, no, no. Anyway. This is this is raw. This is right. like raw is raw. Oh. It's like on genuine, genuine. This is us. We're having a conversation. I like right, it. Right. Yeah, it's cool. And in our capabilities, a, a way of changing the whole paradigm. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and, and making it, as I said, I, I will unveil the other two steps once I get a little bit. The way I figured it is if I get a good solid base of people that are used to a system, then they are not likely to move unless you really screw the system up. Right. Yeah. right? Uh, so that's why the education came first. And the second is uh, I want to be. A, and so I've interviewed like Barbara Boxer, Tom Hayden, um, you know, uh, food scientists, engineers, CI agents filmmakers, authors. I've interviewed about 80 different people and I'm putting those all together into different segments. So I want to be a doctor. I want to be a janitor. Oh, I want to be cool. a, yeah. yeah. So it's going to be every career. Uh, then my third project is called Badge Map, uh, where you go out and your family goes for dinner. Your third grade nephew orders a meal in Mandarin to the Chinese speaking waiter. The family gets 10% off the menu. The child becomes a hero and gets a badge. And every time he uses Chinese or Mandarin, I whatever his badge increases in value. Man, I love that. That's so awesome. I would totally do it's that. A, that. Yeah, that's it's great. A, basically, like it's like augmented reality, like Pokemon yeah. Go, but instead of fantasy characters, you have learning opportunities in front of you. Yeah, and you get points for for doing those learning opportunities. So, it, I, I as I said, this idea existed before Pokemon Go, like three right. years before it, but I have not got to that step yet of uh, basically making it an augmented reality type thing. Um, and then the fourth is the global village, and the fifth is gamification, bringing it all together. Yeah, it's called. Uh, it's the game is called Three Foot Spoons. Okay, frequent spoons. No, three foot spoons. Oh, three foot spoons. Yeah, I'll give an example. Okay. I mean, what the hell does that mean, right? Uh, it's about a guy that lives his entire life and he dies. And this doesn't go along any theological. It's just a story, okay? So don't get theological on me, all right? Sure guy who lives his entire life and he dies and he gets this angel and then he just says so where do you want to go heaven or hell he says you know i got a lot of hell raising friends let's go check out hell a huge banquet room full of food and i mean they got serving stations for every type of food i mean it's better than grandma's food the smells looks it looks incredibly delicious but everybody sitting at the table is skin and bone it's like they haven't eaten in six years right and the guy turns to the angel and says hey how come everybody's starving the food's within arm reach the angel says, attached to each hand is a three-foot spoon, and we can't reach our mouth. Oh, that's messed up. Let's go to heaven. So they go to heaven. Big banquet room full of food, the same scenario. Uh -huh. But everybody's healthy. They're not fat, they're not thin. They're having a great time. The guy turns to the angel and says, I see what's going on here. If you live your life and you're a selfish SOB, then you get to go to hell, and you get tormented for eternity with three-foot spoons. But if you live for the community at large, you get to go to heaven, and you don't have the three-foot spoons. Danger pause and he says, No, here in heaven, we have the three foot spoons. We We're feeding can't. each other. Yeah. So, picture. Yeah. So, like, if you give yourself a little massage, yeah. Oh, it feels good. But when somebody right. else gives it to you, magically it feels better. Right. A three year old makes you burnt waffles better than a French cook. Right. I believe that, I believe that nature or the divine has placed it in our DNA that it's better to serve and be served than it is to self serve. Very true. Yes, right? uh, it's very and true. So that's the way the game works. The game works based upon how we're hard written, hardwired. 
Right. It's not this ridiculous uh, Melonious code. If you want to go into coding, it's not this uh, corruptible Trojan shit. It's how right. we're written, and play is how we're written as well. Adults don't need to teach children to play or small animals to play. Right. Right. We get learned out of that, out of fear and greed. Exactly. Right? And so we need to go back to it. Think about it. In the near future, young person is working on his laptop. Mom looks at him and goes, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm playing a computer game. Mother gives him all kinds of crap, right? Right. And all kinds of shit. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. And this, the child looks up at his mom and says, mom, I'm saving the world. What are you doing? Okay. <laughs> exactly. So he changed the whole paradigm from it being a, a guilty pleasure. Right. To be a, a, a literally a, a, a things that transforms our world. Right. Oh, you know, I've, I was just thinking about this yesterday because I decide I don't take a day off very often, and yeah. you know, everyone was yeah. out of town, and I was like, I'm like tomorrow. I, yesterday, I was like, I'm taking the day tomorrow. I'm just gonna do the minimum stuff I need to get done. Go do my run, and then I'm gonna go and play video games. Go sit on the couch and play video games. Haven't done that in a long time. Just yeah, to yeah, chill. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sitting there and I'm playing the game and I've got it switched over to hard mode. And I'm yeah. like working so hard to like get these <laughs> items in the game and to beat the right, boss right. and trying again. And I'm like, you know what, John? You're working your ass off. Like you're working hard. Like, right, <laughs> like, exactly, like, exactly. But, but somehow you have enjoyed this. So it's almost like there, I, I realize there's like a mindset of mentality too. And it's like, right. I need to take that same thing. And I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta either like take, that and you can play it whatever you're doing but i think you're right i think the piece of the equation that that is the fear and the greed because i always tell people if you right. get paid to, to do something you'll hate it and, and oh that's, yeah you lose yeah you lose interest on it yeah so i think well, you're on to something there yeah. if you if well, you eliminate that fear and greed then it's like you can enjoy what you're doing and uh, that like is it. yeah the technology people are, have seen the writing on the walls with big data automation and things of that nature mm -hmm. then many of these jobs are going to disappear right, uh, right now our government being forced uh, you know being based upon the in military industrial complex I work for the DOD building battleships uh, I'm a, I've got a couple of degrees uh, I've got a bachelor's in civil engineering I have a PE in mechanical engineering do electrical power systems and mm -hmm. computer science of course all engineers all do you know some form of computer science um, but is, is that we need to change this uh, this paradigm that we got going on here? And I think that if if we're clever enough, uh, I, we might be able to save the world by lunchtime. It's a possibility. <laughs> I right? like it. I like it, man. I love that mindset. I love it. And I, I think is we need to we need to develop that. Get back to that kindergartner possibility, like uh, like uh, Kim. Robinson said, you know, a little kid was really very big in, in art class in kindergarten. She's really busy working away in a drawing. And her teacher went back and said, well, what are you drawing? God. And the teacher says to the kid, well, nobody knows what God looks like. She said, well, they'll, they'll know what he looks like when I'm finished. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and so uh, Ken said it a little bit better. Of course, he has more experience saying that, Joe. But anyway, uh, but if we can start to change um, the paradigm so that we can all be in service to each other. Right. Uh, oh, I know what I wanted to say about my website, World Mentoring Academy. When you first get there, you think you're, you're getting a retro site like, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, John. Yes, John. The 1990s called. They said they wanted their website back. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but most Blackboard and Moodle sites are really very clunkish in the front. That's uh -huh. why I usually have a WordPress document in front of it. So right. all the universities have like some form of a WordPress document because everybody's familiar with that navigation and right. the look on that. I just decided I don't want to uh, make layers of websites in front of something. Right. So I took this bar, which basically is programming. It's like a barge and yeah. just try to beautify it a little bit with a Google slide and, you know, a couple of other little doohickeys. But it's still I'm an engineer. Yeah, I you know. know. Yeah, we we lay shit in rows. We we have stuff that functions. We don't have little pretty things and then a mouth cage in the back end, right? It, it wouldn't hurt that. to get a designer to come in. Oh and, yes, and, but, and look at it, but because it because like you said, yeah. impressions, impressions, but right, you know. exactly right. But but yeah. also the same thing. You know what my budget on my hosting is? It's two hundred dollars yeah. a year, right? That's so, true. you know, if I have are more you than still homeless, by the way, or do you have? Are you traveling oh, yeah. or what? Yeah, I can't get my my street cred up. Of course, 
I will. Okay. The thing is, is if you donate to me, don't donate above a certain amount because then I. Oh, I forgot to say tell you something. All right. okay. Yeah, I'm a little bit wacky, so. Hey, the best I, people are a little bit wacky. So well, okay. Uh, bit I even talked to question mark guy. You know the question mark guy? Uh, uh. I'm on his channel. Um, he's the guy that's really zany and white hair, and he's got uh, neon outfits with question marks all over him. And oh, he's the guy that sells, you can get my free money. You can get free money. At the, you know, that kind of thing. So, so he's wild and zany, too, but I kind of had him dumbstruck. Okay. So uh, since our government spends so much money dropping bombs on uh. weddings... And villages, yeah, that, that can't be good karma. I decided that, <laughs> right? I no. decided, I decided that the American government should put more good karma back into the world. Okay. So by of the of my students, a third of them are from outside the United States, so getting the benefit of this uh, mature, this program. So of the two hundred fifty dollars a month, one hundred ninety one dollars is food stamps. Okay. So the one hundred ninety one dollars. Uh, allows me to do the three projects, work with NGOs, lecture for the Department of Education, you know, uh, work on this platform, uh, talk with you and a lot of other people. So $191 of my budget. So I come up with another $60 for what, you know, cleaning my clothes. Right. Uh, so that I can get within a foot of people and, you know, doing all the different types of things on 250 months. So there's no reason whatsoever somebody can't do as much as me or more. I, 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 I'm not the sharpest pencil in the drawer uh, or the richest person for that matter. But I saw the valuation of Coursera. It's about uh -huh. 500 million. And uh, you did, you did, you'd ask it. You'd, I can never say it. You did, you did whatever. You you do city. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I did okay. a video and I called it the wrong thing. And now I don't know what it is. Uh, okay. like, well, oh, you call it Udacity. You you the city here. Okay. So in, in 2006, they got a valuation of $1 billion. Wow. Right? Yeah. With 11,000 students, right? I have two times as many students. And uh, I, I, I value it. I don't, I don't have a valuation. Right. It's like a comparable. Uh, go hat in hand to the VC community. Um, I don't want to do that, though. I want to leave this to humanity, not to venture capitalists. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, that users to, if they want to learn a subject, come into the platform, and then they become teacher students, and they'll get the sixty percent payoff, hmm. and be doing a little bit of philanthropy at the same time of teaching other people. We do that through G Plus Hangouts physical meetups, uh, whether it be a coffee shop or a creative space like, well, you know, Makerspace, a biolab, a TV studio, an artist residence, whatever. And we get people from around the world going into physical spaces with mobile education, teaching each other. And then if we can get teachers and professors involved as well, we can slowly start to get these professors off a of food stamp. Oh, I forgot to mention, even if a professor does 10 courses a semester, they'll make $27,000 a month. Now, there's been newspaper articles saying that some professors qualify for and are receiving food stamps just like me. So I, I'm not. So there's there's janitors and yards people that are on salary at these universities that are making thirty and forty thousand dollars a year with a pension, with health insurance, uh, with no high school diploma, right? Right. Making forty thousand a year. And then the reason we're going to the campus is to be under the teacher, not the gardener or the janitor. God bless their souls too. Uh, we go there for the teachers. Right. That's only, and we're, they're getting twenty-seven thousand a year, running around the freeways and acting like really, it's sad. So if we can recruit them to go into creative spaces and then fund them in the creative spaces, get the college degrees. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, sorry about that. But is there any other questions that I may not have answered? I, th I think that no, I, I I've actually got to get get running here, but uh, but man, this is this is good. I, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of questions that people will have. They'll probably ask them here on the when this video gets published, and then you know maybe you can answer some of those for people. But uh, let me yeah. let me real quick. I, I got to wrap it up. Maybe we can do another one of these sometime because you you've got a lot of interesting stuff here. But um, yeah. I definitely well, I you, could break, you could you could break these into groups groups like this could be like three or four different. Uh, mini segments of, of another talk that you're talking about. 
Yeah, yeah, we could, yeah, we could do more yeah, talks for yeah. sure. Um, let me, yeah. uh, so I'll say uh, definitely check out worldmentoringacademy.com. You can check it out here. We'll put the link here. Very, very impressive. And then, and then Mike's uh, YouTube channel, The uh, it's called Homeless Educator, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yep. And go check that out. You know, really cool stuff. Really interesting. Uh, again, it, actually, you know what? If, if someone wants to, I, I'll just throw this out here since I've got a large community, but if someone's got some design chops and knows, oh, yeah. knows Drupal and wants to like volunteer some some time, I, I feel like that would, would, would be something that, because when I first looked at your site, I'll be honest, like I looked at it and I was like, what is this? This is weird. And then, right. but then when I looked and did a little bit more research, I was like, Oh man, this guy is like a, is, is like, a, is awesome. Like I, I got to talk to this guy. So. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of like your hole in the wall uh, food place. Yeah. You know, you, 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 you ride by a couple of, you know, uh, gang bangers and you know, pass this thing and underneath the sign that hangs halfway down and you yeah. go in and you, and you have this incredible tie and, you know, tie pad or whatever. You have this incredible meal and you're going, Jesus, this is what I, I guess you might call this the hole in the wall, you know, educational type of a thing, I guess. I mean, it's but not look, really that. Yeah. But look at Craigslist and look at how Amazon yeah. oh, started right, out. Right, and, right. Those were all you like that. Too. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. GeoCities. <laughs> right, I know. I mean, I, people visit them. All right, Mike, it's, I got to get running here. But I man, think John, thanks to talk to you. Hopefully we'll get to meet in person someday. Yep. Yep. I'm all up right. in Lakewood. Peace. Take care. Bye. Hey, what's up? John here. Just wanted to make sure you aren't missing out. Only about half the content I put out is on this podcast. This podcast is created mostly from the audio from the YouTube videos I put out daily. When you get a chance, head on over to youtube.com forward slash simple programmer and click the subscribe button to get access to two to three new videos every day. Even if you prefer the audio format, make sure you subscribe at youtube.com forward slash simple programmer so you can check out what you might be missing.